Today's episode includes a mystery woman, a suffragette, and a Seattle grandmother, one of whom formed the Washington Peace Party with the avowed intention of putting a woman in the White House. What do three former car hops have in common? We, we all, all want, want a woman, woman president. president. I'm Paula. I'm Kathy. I'm Augie. Did you know there have been 59 presidential elections and 46 presidents? 137 women have run, 66 got their party nomination, and represented their party on the U.S. presidential ballot. And zero have been elected. Some have predicted it will be another 240 years before we see a woman president of the United States. Let's see if we can shorten that by, say, what, 234 years? To put this episode in context, here are a few historical events leading up to and including the years this candidate ran for president. 1941 to 1958, December 7, 1941. The Japanese Navy Air Service bombed the U.S. Naval Base at Pearl Harbor in a surprise military strike, and the United States entered World War II. During World War II, Congress reinstated National Daylight Savings Time to help conserve fuel and promote national security and defense. It was in effect until the end of the war in 1945. Rosie the Riveter became a star when the government had to run an aggressive campaign to get women out of the home and into the factories for the war effort. And then at the end of the war, they had to do the reverse to try to get the women back into the home. December 1945, the United Nations is established. July 26, 1948, President Truman mandated the desegregation of the United States military with an executive order. In the 1950s, working women made up approximately 30 to 40 percent of the workforce. 1951. Congress passes the 22nd Amendment, limiting the president to two terms. The situation comedy, I Love Lucy, premiered on CBS, sparking the rise of television in the American home and the golden age of television. The birth control pill was developed. 1954, Brown versus the Board of Education, Supreme Court ruled that the U.S. state laws establishing racial segregation in public schools was unconstitutional. 1955, the first McDonald's opened in San Bernardino. Disneyland opened in Anaheim, California. The polio vaccines were developed. And In God We Trust was adopted as a national motto. 1957, the successful launch of Sputnik 1, first space satellite by the Soviet Union came as a shock to the United States and countries around the world. 1958, the first U.S. satellite, Explorer 1, was launched into space. And now let's see how today's candidate impacted history. Okay, in uh, 1952, Mary Kennery was approximately 45 when she ran for president of the United States on the American Party ballot. In the 1920 census, there were three Kennery families living in New York. In the 1940 census, a Mary Kennery was 33 years old and listed as still living with her parents and younger sister. We think that Mary Kennery was our candidate and she was born about 1907. 
aside from a short newspaper clipping that announced, quote, on the American party ticket, the candidate for president and vice president is Mrs. Mary Kennery, a Lincoln, Nebraska housewife. The American party of Nebraska ran Mary Kennery as the favorite daughter for president of the United States in 1952. Tragically, that's all the information we could find out about her. So for now, this is where we will leave Mary Kennery until more information about her becomes available. And we'll move on to two other women who ran for president in 1952, Ellen Linnea W. Jensen and Agnes Waters. Here's an interesting quote from the Texas newspaper, the Denton Record Chronicle. Quote, the skirted opponent of Dwight Eisenhower and Adelaide Stevenson is Mrs. Ellen Linnea Jensen, a Seattle grandmother. She's the nominee of the Washington Peace Party, formed last August in Miami with the avowed intention of putting a woman in the White House, end quote. Ellen Jensen ran for president in 1952. It is conceivable, based on an internet search, that Ellen Linnea W. Jensen was born in Chicago, Illinois on October 29, 1897. Research indicates that her maiden name was Walquest. She was living in Washington State when she married in July of 1918 at age 21. Ellen had one son. By the 1930s, she was on her own, supporting her child, working for the University of Washington as a stenographer. Even though she was a Washington State resident, she conducted her campaign from Miami. It appears that the Washington Peace Party based in Miami was created by Ellen and a friend specifically for her campaign for president of the United States. Spoiler, the party disappeared shortly after the election. The party called for a return to the principles of George Washington, supported by the concept of no government policymakers except native-born Americans. And the party slogan was light around the world. Her platform was world peace and lower taxes and to stamp out communism within nine minutes of her inauguration. That would be like a woman to get something done quickly. It's not surprising that she thought this could be done, as in addition to being a grandmother, she was also reported to be an astrologist, who, it seems, had a direct line to the first president, George Washington. Ellen Jensen was reluctant to name her vice president, but she did reveal that she was a Himalayan master in a former life. Note, nine pages deep on a Google search for Himalayan master, it mostly re references one book. No definition of Himalayan masters, no sources how to achieve it, nada. She invented the Washington Peace Party, so maybe she invented the Himalayan master position also. Ever an optimist, she seemed certain that she would be victorious based on her horoscope. And why wouldn't she think that? In spite of a fledgling, unorganized political party and struggling to get on state ballots, she and her campaign did make it into the September 1952 issue of Time Magazine. Ooh, it looks like her star was aligned for that. Ellen Jensen's son, Paul Jensen, claimed she was the only woman running for president in the November 10th, 1952 election. Mm. 
we know that's not true, but maybe the other two women didn't get their name in the newspaper or on the radio. At this point, a lot of people didn't even have a television, so we just don't know if the other two women running were included in the Time Magazine article. She expected to receive quite a few popular votes in California and Florida. Ellen Linnea W. Jensen's Washington Peace Party received less than 8,500 votes. The winning presidential candidate garnered 61,714,924. Later in life, Jensen lived somewhere in Sonomish County, north of Seattle, and died within King County on October 13, 1991. 1890 to 1925. The progressive era begins. Women from all classes and backgrounds enter public life. As women's roles expanded, they were increasingly politicized. Consequently, the issue of women's suffrage became part of mainstream politics. And so, timing was everything for presidential candidate Agnes Waters, who was born Agnes Murphy Mulligan on July 1, 1893 in New York City. She moved to Washington, D.C. and lived there as a young woman during World War I. That spanned the years of 1914 to 1918. During her early 20s, she worked for the government in the War and Labor Departments. So she would have been what, 21 to 25 years old about? Exactly. She was involved in the suffrage movement and became acquainted with Alice Paul of the National Women's Party. Side note, after 1920, 25-year-old Alice Paul spent a half century as leader of the National Women's Party, which fought for the Equal Rights Amendment to secure constitutional equality for women. Alice also won a large degree of success with the inclusion of women as a group protected against discrimination by the Civil Rights Act of 1964, right alongside legal scholar Polly Murray. Alice Paul died in 1977. Now, back to Agnes Waters. The Silent Sentinels, also known as the Sentinels of Liberty, were a group of women in favor of the women's suffrage movement organized by Alice Paul and the National Women's Party. They protested in front of the White House during Woodrow Wilson's presidency, starting on January 10th, 1917. They were the first group to picket the White House. They started their protest after a meeting with the president on January 9th, 1917, during which he told the women to, quote, concert public opinion on the behalf of the women's suffrage, unquote. Concert, meaning get the public opinion behind your cause. The protesters served as a constant reminder to Wilson of his lack of support for suffrage. At first, the picketers were tolerated, but they were later arrested on charges of obstructing traffic. The women protested at the White House gates and later in Lafayette Square until June 4, 1919, when the 19th Amendment to the United States Constitution, the women's right to vote, was passed by the House of Representatives and the Senate. The name Silent Sentinels was given to the women because of their silent protesting. Using silence as a form of protest was a new principled strategic and rhetorical strategy within the national suffrage movement. Throughout this two and a half year long vigil, many of the 2000 women who picketed were harassed, arrested and unjustly treated by local and US authorities, including the torture and abuse inflicted on them before, 
and during the November 14, 1917, Night of Terror, nearly 500 women were arrested and 168 served jail time. After World War I ended in 1918, Waters married a veteran and they were able to have two daughters before he died. Waters reportedly, a devout Catholic, never remarried. She was extremely successful in real estate sales and used that income to support her and her daughters. Once again, another intelligent woman finding a way to support her family at a time when that was rare. Agnes first ran for president in 1952 at age 59 as a candidate of the American Women's Party, founded by Blanche Winters. It was a right-wing extremist group. The radical form of feminism and anti-men party believed that men caused wars and they should get out of the way and let women create a safe and peaceful country. The party had 10 planks in the political platform, but that's a story for another day. And we know Agnes ran three more times, but was never backed by a major party. It was also during this period that she began reading extensively on communism and by the 1930s became a staunch anti-communist. After supporting Franklin D. Roosevelt in 1932, Agnes became disenchanted with the Democratic Party. She never made it to the floor at Convention Hall in Philadelphia at the Democratic National Convention, but was photographed as she was escorted out by the convention guards, still carrying a placard proclaiming her intent to be the first woman to run for president of the United States. Side note, as our listeners may remember from our first two episodes, there's a bit of controversy as to who actually held that honor. She then became an active member of the Mothers Movement and has been called the most inflammatory lecturer on the Mother Circuit in the 1930s and 40s. Although she initially had deemed herself quote unquote liberal and had worked with the National Women's Party for Women's Suffrage in the 1920s, she is better known for her later strongly anti-Semitic and white national positions. She embraced the anti-Semitic forgery of the Protocols of the Elders of Zion and claimed mainstream Christianity was controlled by Jews and Blacks. She also stated a hostility to what she termed the invasion of the Asiatic races and felt that Chinese should stay in China. Her personality was divisive and made working with a group next to impossible. Agnes Waters died at age 67 years of age, sometime after 1960. I wonder if she had any friends <laughs> towards the end. <laughs> Jeez. You know, the, the, what I read was she did not. Yeah. And that's why nobody even really knows when she died. We'd like to convey our immense gratitude and respect for the many women who have run for president. And to all the women, past, present, and emerging, who bring us closer to cracking the patriarchal system, we say thank you. We love to hear from you. You can join the growing group of A Woman President fans and let the Carhops know what's going on in your mind regarding the courageous women presented in this podcast. For comments, questions, show notes, and resources, or to just join our email list, visit our website, awomanpresident.com. We won't sell your information, and we only occasionally send out short and sweet updates. Thanks for listening. And thank you for recommending the podcast to your friends. Remember, 
you too can be a super spreader for our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this episode has been brought to you by Carhop Productions. So until the next installment, our hope is that you will be inspired, be involved, be heard, and be kind. Ta-ta for now, the Carhops. <laughs>